It is the Justin Henry Show, Friday, September 9th. And you see, we're live today. First time we've been live all season. I'm with my guy, Johnny VTV, in the building from NBC Sports Edge. We're going to be talking about the Thursday night game. We're going to be talking about this week one coming up. Johnny's going to put his best bets in there, too. I know they locks. Locks of the century. So, hey, let's get it. You're watching The Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. Johnny, my man, we had some football last night. My guy, how are you feeling? Good, man, good. How you doing, bro? Always always love being on with you, Jay Hen. I know, I know, and I'm sure we're going to have some banter back and forth like we always do, but we got to talk about it, bro. There was a Thursday night game. Before we get into it, make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share the channel. You guys also make sure to follow Johnny V TV. You see the handle, and we're going to get into it, but there was a Thursday night game yesterday. We got to talk about it, man. The Bills played the Rams and absolutely destroyed them. It was bad, bro. Bad, worse than I thought. I had the Bills in the under, but this game was a little bit more of a flex for the Bills than I thought it was going to be. The only real loss I had last night uh, on my card was the Rams plus two and a half. I was so surprised. I just I, I was disgusted by the way Sean McVay had his team prepared. The Rams were five and zero oh in Week One under his regime. Eight and three in the last eleven Super Bowl winners have won the first game of the next season by an average margin of victory of eleven points. McVay totally unprepared, outcoached Rams, outplayed on all facets. Disgusted. Ugh. Just gross, man. And one of the surprises for me was the defense for the Rams, man. When you see a guy like Jalen Rams just getting cooked, cooked, cooked oh. by Diggs, bro. It was bad. Oh. It was it was bad. He's toast, whatever you want to call him. That's probably one of the worst performances I've seen by Jalen Ramsey in a long time. But this Bills offense looked flawless damn near. Like, all the weapons were hitting for the – anything they drew up, it was working. They took all the dinks and dunks. Seemed like the Rams were just giving them the stuff underneath, and then boom, the minute they crashed down, they went straight over the top. So props to the Bills. There were some takeaways from this game, though, bro. Like, when I look at Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, the way that they were attacking early on and Josh Allen was just locked in to start, are you buying them as Super Bowl favorites like they are in Vegas, or you think this was a big week one overreaction by everybody? I'll be honest, I, I, the Bills to me, I think everybody's been overreacting on them for three years. I'm not buying in them just off this performance. The Bills, it doesn't change what I think about them. Yeah, they played, I don't think they played great. I think Allen played pretty great. Diggs was great. Gabe Davis was very good. Bob Miller was fantastic. I think outside of that, like, they, they were solid. The fact of the matter is they had three or four turnovers that if the Rams were playing even close to their best football, they would have taken advantage of it. It was 10-10 at half. The Rams couldn't take advantage of any of the breaks that they were given. And quite honestly, man, Von Miller was the only reason why the Rams weren't scoring because the loss of Andrew Whitworth at left tackle was man. more glaring than I thought. No boom got roasted. Sean McVay was just too predictable. And when he was setting out five wide, that's when Von Miller and the left side of that offense was just caving in. He started taking out Cam Akers and Henderson and pass protection, and that's when things started to go awry. It was uh, it was ugly, man. Major boy Stafford. Stafford did not look good yesterday. I spent a couple weeks, actually, we we're talking about top five quarterbacks. Because the win last year, I had thrown him in there. The elbow didn't seem to bother him. It didn't seem like that was the issue. What do you think it was, man? Because he didn't look right last night. Was it just the pressure? 
No, no. Okay, so here's here's what I think. Nobody played in the preseason. That's number one. So no, nobody played in the preseason. Stafford didn't throw for 10 to 12 weeks while he was recovering from that elbow surgery that he had. So part of it's rust. Part of it was the fact that he got sacked seven times under duress all night. Another part of it was the play calling. Every single first and second down, at least in the first half, was a run. Was a Daryl Henderson run up the middle. No continuity. He didn't have any time to throw. And because of that, the only guy he really had familiarity with was Cooper Cup. And, like, he just pumps Cup with targets nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> Allen Robinson was non-existent. Like, you know, I think all of that had a combination effect. Stafford yeah. didn't play well, but it was rust. It was lack of preparation by Sean McVay, lack of protection. It was a, a an array of things that I think will get fixed in the future. I would not overreact about this loss, so, even though I'm disgusted. I am not concerned at all about the Rams. I think the Rams will be fine. They're just maybe not the team that, they, that won the Super Bowl last year. And it was evident, like you said, just kind of some glaring holes, even on the defense, uh, at the offensive line levels with protection. And Stafford will shake that off. Allen Robinson will be fine. The run game needs to get figured out. Cam Akers, we saw him only in, in there for like 10, 15 plays the whole time, three carries. Uh, he just didn't look right, but I think that he needed a little bit of time to get going. It was a Thursday night game, the first of the season, the first of the week. I'm not panicking week one for anybody that's a Rams fan or even Bills fans. I'm not getting overly excited on this game. There's a lot of week one jitters. They had the ceremony. Like you mentioned, the ceremony was that night. So to me, I'm not I'm not taking too much stock in this game. Now, the Bills are legit. Obviously, we know that. But the AFC is super tough. Now, Johnny, does this... Does this change your thought on him? Because I know you said everybody was overhyped on him for three months. Does this change your thought on the Bills? Three years. No, it doesn't three change years, my thought. Three years, excuse me. It, it doesn't change my thought on the Bills. The Bills are going to be probably one of the final few teams in in the AFC. Honestly, I think, you know, the Chargers uh, could be better than them. I think the Chiefs are still, even without Tyree Kill, are still going to be a, a formidable opponent to them. The Ravens might be a tough team to them if – Rashad Bateman steps up, and Lamar's hungry, man. He's playing for his money now. I mean, Facts. there's a there's a lot of teams, even the Colts. There's teams that can match up with the Bills better than the Rams did last night. I don't overreact. I think the Bills are very good. But one of the things that I've been mentioning over the summer, it's not going to be so much during the regular season, but during the postseason when things aren't going right, how will the loss of Brian Dable impact this team? They do not have that mind with his finger on the pulse, even if Ken Dorsey is a disciple who's been there for a few years. Good points, my man. So, obviously, we talk fantasy on this show a lot, too, and I want to get your opinion on this because I have a few players uh, that we have to talk about, right? First one's Cam Akers, and we saw him really – he only had three carries yesterday. He had that uh, – he had the soft tissue stuff going on, obviously coming off the Achilles. There was a lot of people concerned when – more so concerned when the soft tissue stuff started coming up. <laughs> Right, the Achilles. Everybody was like, "Oh, it was the playoffs." He struggled against tough run defenses. He's had a full offseason to recover. Now we should value him as a top running back in the league. And Sean McVay clearly said otherwise that it's going to be a split. And we saw it was a split in Darrell Henderson's favor. How concerned are you with Cam Akers? Very concerned. I'm very concerned. And and you know, for anybody that's kind of new to this or, or hasn't followed the Rams that much. You can never take what Sean McVay says seriously. Yeah. He always says one thing, and it's, it's another thing. And I'll be honest. I, I was thinking about Cam Akers in, in all of my drafts. I had five, I had five leagues. I didn't take him in one. I was really thinking about it, and I was like, it is ADP. I don't love it. I'd probably rather take Henderson late just yeah. because of the value, and it's going to be a split backfield. But I'm, I'm worried. He barely saw the field. He had three carries. Everybody's freaking out, and which leads me to believe that this guy's not healthy. 
if there's one thing that is very dangerous for skill players, it's these soft tissue injuries because they linger. And if Cam Akers, who, like you said, was a super miracle coming back from a torn Achilles in six months, right. is not back to full health this year, the guy's 23, 24, and you know, he's gonna spend another season not getting any burn. Well, that's where that's where I was thinking is, you know, he's young, he's he came back from it a lot quicker than most people. He's had more time to recover with the off season as well. And he's soft tissue stuff. Normally it just lasts a little bit. Do you think that was just because it was a Thursday night game and the injury had just happened, he was just on the mend. He wasn't even full speed on the Saturday or Friday practice, whatever it was before the game. They said he was quote unquote, not full speed yet. Do you think the Rams were limiting him? Cause Sean McVay came out and said it was game flow. Yeah, I think they were limiting him. He like game flow my ass because you know, <laughs> quite honestly, like they could have played him earlier on in the game. Like they didn't play him early in the game. Like I said, it was ten ten at half. This game was in 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 reach. It just right. got out of reach middle of the third quarter because some stupid decisions and stupid play calling, whatever the case is. Cam Akers didn't see the field, so I, I think this this injury could be a bigger deal. But I was under the impression Henderson was also dealing with it. He was. So I, yeah, so, you know, maybe something's going on with Akers. I, I would be very, very careful. I wouldn't totally sell out on him on a fantasy perspective. I just think you got to bench him for right now. Yeah. Wait and see. I think, yeah, I think right now he's not somebody I'd trade. He's not somebody I'd trade for. If you have him, just hold him. Got to just accept what it is. And if you do not have him, just keep your eye on him. Keep an eye on the snaps next week, on the carries next week. If that goes up, then it might be a buy low time. Now, before we get into another player, Want to make sure if you guys are watching, we're live. So we've got any questions that you want answered, we'll be able to answer them, get into them. That's what we're here for. We're here to get you guys some advice for the weekend. If you got betting questions, player props you want uh, advice on, or any fantasy trade, start sits, you name it, that's what we're here for. The next player is not hurt. The next player just had a bad game. Allen Robinson uh, came, the newcomer, man. A lot was expected out of Allen Robinson. I was hyping his ass up. Like I thought A-Rob was going to be a dog this year. And he had a kind of a <laughs> – don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. He had a soft game, bro. Like, just to call it what it is. Concerned or not? Like, are you concerned? Yes and no. I'm not concerned that he had a bad game. I'm concerned that Matthew Stafford didn't look at him because I drafted Robinson in a couple leagues. And the reason why I said this was going to be different than Robert Woods was because now he truly needs a, a second wide receiver opposite of Cooper Cup. Woods was going to be motivated this year. And people are like, oh, uh, Robinson's getting no separation, this and that. I'm like, you know, I wasn't able to see that because just the way the camera angles were, and I haven't watched the All-22 yet. Yeah. But the fact is he didn't even look at him. He, he looked at he gave him realistically one target. And I also think, like I mentioned before, a lot of that has to do with timing, that they have never played together. He was throwing a cup, Higby, Skoranek, because he knows these guys from last year. And I also think at, at definitely some level – the lack of protection was not allowing him to throw Good point. to Robinson. Good point. But, Jayhan, let me tell you something else. Cooper Cup predominant was, I think he, 60% of his snaps and targets were out of the slot. So, obviously, it's a little easier to throw to a slot receiver than it is a guy who's predominantly lining up outside as the X, just 100%. based off the time and everything else. So, I think that also played into it. I'm concerned a bit about Robert um, Allen Robinson, but I'm not ready to panic yet. He, for all we know, he can go back off against the against the Atlanta Falcons. 
Yeah, and I could I could see that happening. I'm not panicking on Al Robinson. In fact, I actually think this is a buy low opportunity. I think that the Rams they invested in him heavily. It was a four or five year deal that they gave Allen Robinson. So it's not like he's he's not their guy. It's not like he's not going to be part of this offense. But it, you mentioned it. It takes time for new players to get involved in new schemes. So while the panic meter is there on Cam Akers, I'm not worried as much with Allen Robinson, even if it takes him an extra week to get going. So to me, I look at it as a buy low. I think that he's going to be heavily involved. We saw Scourneck. We saw Tyler Higby. There's a lot of potential there for targets. It just didn't happen in this first game. You know why? Uh, one more quick point. You know why people are freaking out about Allen Robinson, not just because he's a new acquisition? Because they're seeing the Robert Woods train all over again from last year. And obviously Robinson, you know, he had a, he had his worst year of his career last year, but he also had the worst case of senioritis since my senior year of high school. <laughs> so that so that's like two reasons why everybody's freaking out. But people see him picking up where Robert Woods left off last year, not getting targeted early on. But ultimately, the, the next month is when Woods started getting targets from Stafford. So that's where I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more. It took time, and OBJ was the same thing. I think the first couple of games, he was invisible, and then he came on towards the end of the season and got hot. He, he, they were seeing six to eight targets a game, Robert Woods and OBJ. So if Allen Robinson didn't see that kind of volume, it'd be very shocking throughout the rest of the year. Uh, last person only saw five targets but made a pretty big statement last night. Gabe Davis had a touchdown, had a 47-yard catch, uh, four catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Are you all in on the Gabe Davis train? So, okay, so it's really funny, right? All summer, I was not on Gabe Davis. I was, I was in the minority. I said Gabe Davis had one big game in his career, and everybody was writing him off as the next Jerry Rice. I didn't buy it. I yeah. was not on the hype train this summer. I passed on him in every draft, whether that's dumb or me. I said to myself, I said to people, if he ends up blowing up and becoming what people think he's going to be, I'll wear that one. I, I, will, I will loudly yeah. and proudly say I was wrong. But when I knew Gabe Davis was going to have a good game yesterday, well, I saw those Peaky Blinders cleats that he got made for him. That's when I knew he was going to have a good game. So I was like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, you know, Gabe Davis is actually on my card anytime, Tutty. Yeah, uh, good call. And I was like, you know, he was going to have a big game. But ultimately, you know, he had, what, five targets. That uh, first touchdown catch was a nifty play calling by yes. Ken Dorsey. That's not to me. That's not that sustainable in terms of producing. That that's a trickery. That as you go throughout the season, teams are going to be able to recognize that in a formation. It was a great play. It worked. It counts. Uh, and he had one big catch. Like I don't know if we're going to be expecting 88 yards in a tutty every week from Davis. I think there's going to be ebbs and flows. That's yes. also why I didn't want him. But the thing I did feel like was going to happen for Davis, and the thing I. I I was not out on was him scoring touchdowns this year. And I think yeah. he's probably good for eight or nine tutties. I have no, no qualms about that. Um, well, if, if, you know. if he continues to do what he did yesterday, it's going to be a solid season for him yeah. regardless. Right. I had him, I had him having a big game against his team, but I was expecting Stefan Diggs to kind of get shut down, which didn't happen. But Gabe Davis had five, five targets, four catches to me. It didn't seem like it was a. It seemed like it was going to go that way early, but it didn't seem like it was a true breakout game or a, a huge game for him. Seemed pretty mediocre outside of the touchdown and the yardage. So I am still, I'm still not with like the Gabe Davis hype train. I'll expect him to have some lows. I think he'll be one of those break. Like he'll have some breakout weeks where he scores 20, 25 points, and there's going to be some other weeks where we see him like three catches for thirty yards when he gets a tougher matchup. So. I'm not all in on the Gabe Davis hype train still to this day, but I got to wear this one, man. Week one, the Gabe Davis truthers won. 
Jhen Zero. So I'll give him that one right now. Yep. All right, let's move on, man. Let's go to these uh these games. And if you guys are watching live, you got questions, drop them in the comments, man. Week one is here, and we got some uh we got some games to talk about, man. Let's go through the slate, find some games that we like, find some cash for everybody. Uh, when you look at the slate, man, what's your initial opinion on it? So. In several formats, it's going to be one of my biggest plays of the week. First off, we're going to start with the Giants plus five and a half at the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people are going to be like, well, what are you talking about? Why would you pick that game? There's a lot better games on the slate. Allow me to explain. Any team, and remember this, any team ever getting five or five and a half points exactly as a road dog, always take them. They don't always hit. They don't always cover but you always take them. Last year, they were 9-1 and one against the spread. The last three years, they were 31-21 and 21 against the spread. There's no science behind this. This is not something you will find in this now corporate uh, puff piece betting situation. This is something that's going back 40, 50 years to old world gamblers that people that I know have told me this huh. is just one of those numbers Vegas cannot handicap. But aside from the actual uh, – aside from that into the X's and O's – I think Brian Dable is going to have this team ready. I, I think Saquon Barkley is going to have a good game. I think Daniel Jones is going to take something of a trajectory like Josh Allen got from Brian Dable. Not to the exact extent. He's not Josh Allen by any stretch. Wondell right. Robinson is going to have a good game. The Titans secondary is not that good. They're very young and inexperienced outside of Kevin Bayard. Um, you know, they lost Harold Landry. I think the run defense, the, you know, the points per game is going to regress. They had a lot of fluky things go their way last year that's not going to happen. A.J. Brown's gone. Traylon Burks might take some time to get going. Wood's coming off a torn ACL. The line's weaker. I think personnel-wise, it favors the Giants just a little bit more, and I think they're going to be able to hang with the Titans here. I think the Titans are probably in for a little bit of a regression, but it's not going to be as dramatic as everybody thinks. Yeah, you mentioned the regression, and in, in really what's gone is the O-line. Come with a couple pieces from the O-line, A.J. Brown. It's not like there's a whole lot of difference in this team that was really one play away from continuing their journey in the playoffs last year. Like, And now, all of a sudden, we're seeing them on this downward trajectory in the media's mind and in analysts' mind. Uh, to me, the Giants do have a lot of appeal, though, in this spot, and I feel like they're going to be a lot better. They got help on the O-line. Uh, obviously, KB Dibido in the draft. Like, I'm cool. With, I, I feel like they're going to play at a high level. Um, I'm rocking with you on this one, Johnny. I'm rocking with you. Giants plus five and a half. I'm in the game. My bet is the other side of the five and a half, right? So I'm going with the Saints. Minus five and a half on the road against the Falcons. So... I, I think these guys are going to come to play. They looked really sharp in the preseason. Jameis looked to be healthy. Michael Thomas is on track to play. The defense is the top five defense in the league. And the, it's loaded with weapons now. This team was solid last year with Jameis at the helm, starting off the season 6-1. and one. Uh, And to me, I feel like coming into a matchup against the Atlanta Falcons, who probably will play them very tough initially, uh, I can see the Saints putting it on there at the end. I expect the Saints to win this one by at least a touchdown. Yeah, so real quick story here. If people have been falling asleep at the wheel for a while, you know, the Saints have a new head coach. They have Jameis Winston back. You know, Michael Thomas should be back, likely to play. Obviously, the Falcons no longer have Matt Ryan. So I feel like this rivalry isn't necessarily what it's been in the past because Marcus Mariota is not familiar with this rivalry. Most of these players on this team have not been there for that Falcons-Saints matchup for years. Like Pitts did it last year for two games. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these younger guys don't really understand it. Right. So 
I think New Orleans, it, you know, they're down to five now in certain spots. I think New Orleans, it's their time. And it's funny here, right? So there's a stat going around. Since 2015, week one, divisional home underdogs are covering at a 78.3% clip. Three teams are home division underdogs this week. The Vikings, the Texans, and the Falcons. If there's one team that doesn't cover, I think it's Atlanta. The Saints have had a top five run defense in each of the last four years. You cannot run the ball on them. I think Marcus Lattimore is going to shut down Drake London if he plays oh, yeah. his first career game. I think the Saints are legit. They're going to control both sides of the ball. I think the Saints win, cover. They're 6-2 and two, ATS and straight up in the last four seasons. This, to me, I think people betting the Falcons don't understand how they break your heart. Trust me. I've, I've been a fan for 20 years. Basic trends do not apply to these guys. I was going to say, I know there's there's some, some heart, some passion behind that one, man. And unfortunately, you know, hey, we've seen the Falcons in worse spots, but I'm, ex- I'm actually excited about them this year, if we're being honest. Like, I don't think that they're going to be as bad as people think. And I think there might be some value with the Falcons this season when it comes to betting, too. Who else you like this week, Johnny? I like the Minnesota Vikings at home. Uh, they were two and a half at home, and they caught some action. Now they're down to plus one and a half. If you look at it, six of the last seven seasons, the Vikings have at least split with the Green Bay Packers. They're four and two, ATS trade up in the last six games. But you look at it, man, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, they're loaded on offense. Kevin O'Connell's coming with a pass-heavy air raid system. I think they're going to get it going. If that offensive line holds up, they should be able to take advantage of a Green Bay defense, even though that's good. You know, Justin Jefferson, man, come on. That boy's going to be hitting a the green all day. A bro. Dog. A dog. They put up a 34 spot against them last year. I like the Vikings. I think they're going to edge this one out. I have them winning the NFC North. It would be a great start week one to get off to the right foot. Now, I look at the other side of, the, of that matchup, and I see an Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams. I see a team that does not have an Alan Lazard this week. And I see a team. Is that definite? Is that definite? Uh, by he's the way? doubtful to play right now. Doubtful Doubt, to play. Officially, yeah, officially tied doubtful. Yeah, doubtful is okay. to me is is out. out. Like, yeah, if you're not, if you're doubtful, this is doubtful. Yeah, I but think there's been one or two players I've ever seen in my life that have been rare. were doubtful and have played. Like rare as hell to see yeah. somebody who's actually doubtful go play. But there's not the weapons that we're coming to expect from this this Packers team, and yet and still. I still think that Aaron Rodgers wants to come out a little bit better than he did last year. He might be off a couple perks. So to me, I'm looking at, you know, minus one, and it it doesn't scare me that much. Like, I know everybody's excited about the Vikings. This is the team that everybody's picking to win the, N- the NFC North. But I still think there's a lot to prove for Aaron Rodgers, who's back-to-back MVP. Like, why are we fading this guy so hard? So I know he doesn't have the weapons he used to have. I trust the offense. I trust Aaron Rodgers to go in there and get this matchup. I'm actually oppo of you this time, my man. Listen, that's okay. You know, it's interesting. In the, since 2019, seven games without Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, 19 tutties to one pick. They're 7-0 and in those games. Aaron Rodgers makes up for deficiencies on his roster better than any other player does in the NFL. But I just think it's time, man. Like, you know, I'm not saying the Packers are going to be bad this year. I yeah. think they're going to split. I, I think they're going to go one-on-one against each other. I actually got Green Bay's win total over. I think a lot of people are out on them. And, you know, I kind of want it to be, but I just I just feel like I got to ride it out a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I, I think Minnesota pulls this one out. I don't hate Green Bay. It's actually a tough division, uh, decision. But if I didn't pick the Vikings to be so good this year and win the NFC North, then I probably would have went the Packers. 
I really feel like the Vikings in a new system and a new era are going to just come out to play. Yeah, I ain't mad at that, man. And I'm going to go one more. So you mentioned division games, and this one isn't a division dog, but the Steelers are plus six and a half uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I really like this one, man. I really like the Steelers, and I feel like everybody's fading them um, because of the quarterback situation. Mitch Trubisky is going to be starting. But to me, they still have one of the top ten defenses in the league. The O-line is terrible. Don't get it twisted. The O-line is terrible. Cincinnati is a great O-line. But when I look at the weapons for the Steelers, it's like they can carry an insufficient quarterback play. There's not an issue with George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Firemuth, uh, Najee Harris, who's an absolute beast. Like, they have the weapons to support Mitch Trubisky and his, you know, we've seen him be okay on Buffalo. We've seen him be okay on Chicago. And with this with this cast around him, including the defense, and that guy that, that leads us all, Mike Tomlin, who I know hates losing, has had winning years throughout his career. I trust the Steelers in this one. I feel like six and a half is too many against the Bengals team that could have a little bit of Super Bowl loser hangover. Yeah, you know what? We're in lockstep with this one. I was feeling the same thing. I actually think the Steelers are going to cover. I don't know. I, I think they might win. But on the scale of one to ten, I would probably say I'm confident six that the Steelers uh, cover the six and a half. It, it wasn't one of my top three right. plays just because – you know, then against the Steelers. But I think Mike Tomlin, man, he is just such a great coach. He's never had a losing record, knock wood, in, in his NFL career, 14, 15 years, whatever it's been. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be good enough. I think Najee Harris is going to be good enough. I think, you know, Deontay Johnson, Pickens, Chase Claypool, Fryer, they're going to find a way to right. get this done. And like you said, the Bengals, I think, are going to have a hangover, man. Yeah. And history is usually not kind to the teams that lose the Super Bowl the next year. It's not usually kind, or it takes them a little bit to start getting yeah. going. Yeah, and we, I mean, the Bengals, it's not like they were super elite last year. They caught fire towards the end of the season, if we're being real. Like, that's it's just legit what happened. So, um, as we move on, though, Johnny, you said you got one more for me, man. What you looking like? Yeah, man, I, I put this play out when I was in Tampa. I feel like I got to go Tampa Bay Buccaneers straight up money line. I against Dallas. Yeah, I, this is a this is a lean more than like a absolute hammer play. Okay. The re the reason is obviously the Bucks have lost a lot of linemen. They lost a lot of key linemen, and you know Godwin's on the fence, and Brady was on a twenty five. <laughs> month sabbatical to Bahamas. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they are still the more complete roster, in my opinion. You got Mike Evans. You got Lenny, Rashad White, Julio. Uh, you know, can't, uh, Chris Godwin might play. Their defense is pretty much all good to go from what I've seen. And the Dallas defense, or the Dallas offense, is noticeably different over the years without Tyron Smith. It's a huge yes. difference. And when you look at it, the Dallas is probably not going to be able to run the ball. Tampa Bay is one of the best run defenses the last few years. And CeeDee Lamb, as good as he is, Michael Gallup's probably not going to play. It's going to be Dalton Schultz and, and CeeDee Lamb. They're going to key on Lamb. And I would say that the Bucks have probably the most, if not one of the most athletic linebacker duos in football. So they should be able to take Schultz out or even Tony Pollard. I just think it, it's a little overmatched for Dallas. I don't love the point spread, but I would probably just take Tampa Bay straight up on the money line here. 
I ain't mad at that, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd rock with Tampa in this one. You mentioned for Dallas, just losing Tyron Smith. That's, you know, I mean, bringing in Jason Peters isn't enough. Like, that's that's not going to solve their problems. And so At 40 years old. Yeah, and just without having a lot of weapons offensively, you're talking about Dalton Schultz probably being the number two option in this passing game, or maybe Tony Pollard. Like, to me, there's just a lot of deficiencies for this Dallas offense. And their defense, I mean, outside of those turnovers last year, was known to give up some plays, too. So, Which is fluky. That's it is a little that's going to negatively regress to the mean. A hundred percent. And then the, the defense, like you mentioned, the only thing I can see having some saving grace is that Tampa Bay's O-line is just shit right now. Like just with all the injuries yeah. they've had, it's going to be tough for them to consistently get protection. So they brought in some help in the, in the you know backfield when you talk about Rashad White getting some dump offs there and Gio Bernard's back healthy now. So I, I kind of agree with you, um, but I don't think it's going to be, I think that, that money line, man, it's, it's tight. I don't think this game is going to be a blowout one way or the other. No, I think it'll be more like last year in, in some capacity. I think Michael Parsons is probably obviously going to remain the key guy for Dallas. I think people overrated Trayvon Diggs so much. The 11 interceptions he had, so much of it was lucky. He yeah. was out of position, but he got a tip ball or it was a bad throw. People don't realize he allowed by far the most passing yards in coverage last year, yeah. well over 1,000. He allowed a 1,000-yard receiver by himself. Brandon Ayuk <laughs> cooked him. He put him in a whirlwind spin cycle in the NFC Divisional game last season. I mean, Diggs was chasing Ayuk all over the field. He was 15 steps behind him every the entire game. If he's on Mike, if he's on Big Mike over there, Big Mike might go off. The only other player I think he might be guarding is Julio. Your boy Julio, who I think might have a really big impact this game. I ain't going to lie. Let me tell you something here. And Julio's done this in his career. Let's say Julio gets more of Diggs. And... Let's say, you know, Julio's still not back to full speed, whatever the case is, but Diggs has drawn a lot of them to take him out. Then somebody else is going to cover Mike, so he's going to get yeah. Mike open. But, yeah. like, if Julio's playing out of the slot, which he might, depending on what happens with Goblin, that, that's, like, a game-time call. Dude, Julio could eat out of the slot. I think like, that, man. I can, I, I can I, see Julio I, having a bigger year than people think, bro. I, I do. Listen, I think Julio Jones, if he stays healthy, and when I mean by healthy – not only doesn't miss games, but not like last year where he will go in, play for like two series and come out and it counts as a, a game played. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about full games, stay healthy. I think he's a thousand yards, man. People think he's he's not good anymore. He, you think he, the like, yardage is there? Or do you think because I was thinking the touchdowns. I was thinking depend, he'd probably get like eight to ten touchdowns. Yeah, me too. But it depends on it depends on the targets, right? It depends what happens with Godwin, it depends what happens with Evans. Russell yeah. Gage, like Antonio Brown is a third receiver last year, was on his way to a thousand yards before getting hurt. Bro, and in the like, year before that, he was on that same pace too. Exactly. So, you know, that's where my head's at. I'm I think you. Julio Jones, people are overrating this decline too much. Is he the receiver he was five years ago? No. Like, has he lost half a step? Yeah, probably. But the route running, the size, the hands, the yeah. knowledge is still all there. It's really just the speed. That is just taking probably uh, some somewhat of a decline. Uh, and, he, and, and by the way, Julio Jones not at like his best physical performance is still probably better than eighty five percent of the defenders he's going to see. That's facts. That's facts. All right, man. I got one more. I got one more. You know, I know yeah. you got some player props you want to get to before we get into whatever questions, or I think we'll get into some fantasy stuff here too in just a minute. But I got one more game, and I want you to tell me what you think because. This Eagles-Lions game to me has storyline written all over it. The, the Lions on hard knocks and Dan Campbell and all these changes they've made. They're expected to come out and do damage. But then the Eagles, the Dream Team Eagles now, A.J. Brown and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, they're supposed to be at the top of the NFC East. 
I really like the Eagles this game. Four and a half going on the road. I know on the road home opener. I, I'm fading. I'm fading the Lions in this game. I feel like the Lions are still the Lions, and the Eagles really have something to prove. One of the best O lines in the game. Uh, and I think Jalen Hurts has a lot to prove as a passer this year because there's a lot of people who doubt him. Now, they've upgraded the receiving game. I feel like the running backs know their roles now. And his defense is going to come to play. I, I'm just not sold on these Lions, bro. Like, as much as I, I want to believe in them, and I see the storyline, I see the Hard Knocks episodes, and I see the changes they've made on the offensive side of the ball. And they, they drafted well, got Aiden Hutchinson. Like, I get it. But I'm on the Eagles, minus four and a half. Okay, so real quick thing, and this was as soon as like a couple days ago. There, It was pretty much Eagles minus four for most of the time for the last few weeks. And then a few days ago, or like a week ago, it got dropped down to three and a half. It's been three and a half. Then like a couple days ago, in the last day or two, moved back up to four, now four and a half on FanDuel. And that tells me there's late action. The market's going late on the Eagles. And I, I don't like usually going on that side. We didn't get the best of the number. But we could have got right. it at three and a half. Right. And, you know, originally I liked the Lions. When the schedule first came out and I was looking at it probably a, a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, I like the Lions here. And then I, I thought about it. They're going to be a big public dog. I don't have the, the splits yet on the money and the tickets and everything. Right. But I, I'm, I'm with you, too. Like, I think the Eagles are good. I think they're going to win the division. I think the Lions are going to make the playoffs this year. Dan Campbell, my coach of the year. But at the end of the day, I still need to see it first. And the Eagles killed the Lions last year, 44-6. to six. And the reason they can do that is because they control both sides of the ball, you know, as one of the best units offensively and defensively in the trenches. And I feel like I need to see it from the Lions. I'm not saying yes, the Lions are going to have yes. a bad game. I think maybe Philly wins by six or seven. It'll, it'll be a tight game. But I just think if the Eagles implement the same strategy as last year when they ran the ball 50 times on them, it's going to be hard to stop, man. I, right. I just I would probably lean with the Eagles here. But to tell you the truth, at the end of the day, I don't think I'm going to end up betting this one just because – I'd rather sit back and watch it, not have to stress, because like I still have a lot of fantasy implications in this one anyway. You know, that's why I felt about the Niner game. I saw the Niners are sitting at like minus seven. I'm like, you know what? I really like the Niners against these Bears and Justin Fields, and I feel like that offense is it started clicking in the preseason. But I'm all over this Niners defense this year, and and I wanted to take that one. But you know what? It's nicer to watch the game when you ain't got no money on it. You don't have to be stressed about it. You can just rock yeah. on your team and not worry about it, bro. So. You also said you had some player picks, man, and I want to go over these. One of the ones you said first was uh, Kirk Cousins, over one and a half passing touchdowns versus the Packers. Tell me why you like that one so much, man. You just said it. Listen, man, Kirk Cousins has been dicing up the Green Bay Packers. He had a really good game against them last year. I believe he was 340 and three tutties, if I'm not mistaken. And even though Green Bay's defense is good and, the, you know, Jair Alexander should be healthy, Kevin O'Connell is going into a pass-happy offense i feel like kirk cousins could be throwing the ball 40 times on sunday two passing touchdowns kirk cousins did that in almost every game last year i think it was about 12 of 17 something like that cousins is going to have a big year this year i think 38 to 40 touchdowns is on the board for him so i think kirk cousins is going to get it done i just don't know if you know they're going to be handing the ball off 25 times Dalvin cook i feel like they're going to try and get Thielen jefferson involved so cousins is going to have to be the one to throw him the rock 
Yeah, I like I actually like that one, especially if you're picking them to win the game. You know Kirk Cousins is going to have to be involved in the heavy basis. So I like that one. Pat Mahomes sitting at two and a half passing touchdowns against Arizona. Johnny, this you expected one of the highest totals of the week. I want to say it is the highest total of the week. Uh, Mahomes going to Arizona. You think he's going to get over two and a half passing touchdowns? Yeah, so I, I, I put this one out yesterday or the day before on point. It was on points bet. I don't know if the number's still there. I I did see it actually earlier today at plus 130, so I don't know what they're doing with it. I would play this number down to plus 120. Patrick Mahomes, every single week one game of his career, has at least three passing touchdowns. In the last four seasons, 13 touchdowns passing to zero INTs. It's significant. Yeah, he lost Tyree Kill. He's still got Travis Kelsey. He's going to have Juju. Hopefully he does better. MBS, Sky Moore, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out of the backfield. And Arizona's pass defense has allowed the eighth most passing tutties last season. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to keep throwing the ball. I just don't love the idea that Mahomes won't be throwing the ball 35, 40 times, going to throw it when they get near the goal line. They they got cracked, dude. They were a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And then a few days ago, they got moved up to six, six, six and a half bro. points. They moved quick. Exactly. So somebody took aggressive movement on the Chiefs. If that's going to happen, the Chiefs are probably going to score at least 30 points, meaning Patrick Mahomes probably throws three or maybe four touchdowns. All right. So quarterbacks is the play, it seems like, for you, because you got one more here, too. We're looking at Jalen Hurts and the rushing yards. And we talked about this being a win. I, I like the Eagles in this game. Um, but you like Jalen Hurts to rush for over 45 yards, which is a lot of yards. 45 and a half is the total right there. That's a lot of yards for a quarterback. We've seen Jalen do this many times, especially last year. There's been a lot of talk about him becoming more pass-focused and this offense becoming a little bit more pass-happy with the addition of A.J. Brown. Why are you in on this total at 45 and a half yards? Okay, so first of all, Hurts hit 46 rush yards nine times last year. and two other games, he had 44 rush yards. Not to mention, he had 71 yards last time against the Lions. In a big game where the Eagles ran the ball 50 times, controlled the whole game, entire entire side of the ball, I think it's probably going to be something along those lines where they're going to try and look to establish the run again. Now, coming into the season, I felt like they were going to stop running hurt so much, and I, I still think they're probably going to. But at the same time, like it still doesn't mean he's not going to run or rip off big gains. And yeah. the Lions' run defense was bottom five last year. Getting A.J. Brown is going to open up more running lanes for Jalen Hurts. So I think this is a good bet here. I feel like Hurts is live to get 50 to 60 rush yards. So, you know, the over is something that I'm definitely looking up playing. Bet, bro. I love it. I love it. And, you know, for me, I'm not big on – I don't like the rushing yards a whole lot when it comes to the quarterbacks because it's like normally it's one big one. But I think they're going to be chasing them around. And so I'm I'm with you there. I like that one. We hit Allen yesterday 37 and a half against uh, the Rams. You did hit. You hit that one. Yeah. So, Good so shit. the so the Lions last year, they when they played mobile quarterbacks, Hurts over, uh, forty six yards, Lamar Jackson over forty six yards, and I, I think it was pretty much the two main mobile quarterbacks that they played. All right. Well, on prize picks, I put together a little. You know, what I'm saying a little one, nothing major. I, you know, what I mean, I I know how you do. You got the big boys, the heavy hitters. I got a little touchdown parlay. I want you to tell me who loses this one. You can go to Prize Picks and get 100% deposit match using the code JHEN on Prize Picks. Uh, get your player props in, man. It's fun. It's fun to do on the weekends. It's, you know what I mean? We're watching the games. Got a little something on it. It's fun to do, especially if you're in a state like me, California, where it's legal and it's fantasy, not betting. So 
I got this one for you. Tell me what you think. Jameis Winston over 1.5 passing touchdowns. Russell Wilson over 1.5 passing touchdowns against the Seahawks. Trey Lance over one and a half passing, rushing, and receiving. You can combine them. I actually got two more. I didn't throw them on here. The quarter, their receiver and, and running back, Devontae Adams, just has to score one, and Aaron Jones has to score one. Who loses it for me? Out of all five? Out of all five, who loses it for me? So Winston, uh, one and a half against the Falcons. Wilson against the Seahawks. Devontae Adams against the Chargers just has to score. Aaron Jones has to score one against the uh, the Vikings. And then Trey Lance. That's a tough one. Russell Wilson, I think, will hit. I think Trey Lance will probably end up hitting. I don't think that the, the Niners are going to blow him out by 30 like everybody thinks and just run the whole second half. I think I think they'll end up winning by a big margin, but like it's it's going to be probably somewhat of a closer game throughout. Yeah. Uh, Winston against the Falcons, that's an interesting one because I feel like the same. I feel like Winston might only throw the ball 25, 30 times against Atlanta. Atlanta's got tough corners, believe it yeah. or not. AJ Terrell's elite. Casey Hayward solid. I think what probably will end up happening is Kamara will have a big game and he's going to have the rushing touchdown. I feel like Winston. Might might blow this. Maybe he's gonna sell on me. Uh, he better not. I think Winston probably has one pass touchdown, maybe a rushing touchdown, and Kamara Ingram combined for for two touchdowns. I would hope it's not Winston, man. Winston had fourteen touchdowns in seven games last year, yeah. so he was on the trajectory. We saw it. Um, and then, so you like, do you like, you said you like the Trey Lance one. I feel like the rushing in the red zone. Now this one, if it was just passing touchdowns, I wouldn't have played it at all, yep. but we yep. saw early last year. And I think Kyle Shanahan didn't tip his hand in the offs in the preseason. We saw Trey Lance being used heavily in the red zone last year. And I think there's some packages that'll probably come out, especially against the bears in Chicago. I could look to see him rushing a few, rushing at least one of them, uh, in there, depending on the weather. And then Russell Wilson, I think you and I are in agreement. I think the revenge tour is here. Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, Albert, oh, all the weapons at his disposal. I see that one happening. We did not talk about Aaron Jones, though. Uh, Aaron Jones, with obviously Alan Lazard out, does that change your opinion on how that could potentially go and him scoring a touchdown? Well, the reason why I was gonna, I was thinking about taking off Aaron Jones on that one, but the reason I did it was because I think Aaron Jones, and they were saying this, him and AJ Dillon are both going to be used heavily in the receiving game this year. So I think Aaron Jones, whether Lafleur decides to take him out near the goal line if they get down there and throw AJ Dillon in, I think it's irrelevant because what they can do, they can line up Aaron Jones flanking Aaron Rodgers one or another. They can even throw him in the slot if they so desire. Like Aaron Jones is a really good receiver, so I think he's live to get a receiving touchdown. That's why I don't want to bet against them because, dude, especially if this is a higher scoring game, I feel like Aaron Jones is going to get in the end zone. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about fantasy. We talked, you know, obviously player props has a lot to do with fantasy. Let's go over these injuries really quickly, though. And I have them pulled up here. Some of the injuries from uh, Nathan Jonke from PFF. I don't even know how to say a dude's last name. But I have them pulled up right here. Let's share, I'm going to share my screen and talk to you guys about these injuries, right? So we saw Michael Gallup's out. Rondell Moore is out. Can't really, obviously, you're not playing those guys, but Alan Lazard, Vilas Jones, I don't think that was on many fantasy teams. Alan Lazard is a big name. We talked about it. Doubtful probably means he's not playing. So, uh, big ups for Romeo Dubs out there. Big ups for potentially, I'm not saying week one Sammy's coming out, but maybe he comes out. And then for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, big tick up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, absolutely. You know, Alan Lazard's one less mouth to feed. He's a big guy in the red zone, 6'5. So now it's going to be a bunch of rookies with Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs. Yeah, you're going to get Cobb. I mean, Cobb 
you know, 12 God. years past his prime, Watkins, <laughs> like Tunyon coming off a, a shredded knee, you know, the running backs are going to play a big game, a big part in this game. You know, and we're not like, seeing, we're, we're not seeing Donald Driver and Greg Jennings come out of retirement anytime soon, right? Or Jordy. No, no time soon. Jordy, no Jordy. All right, well, let's move on to these to these questionables. I think this is a little bit more pertinent for your guys' fantasy teams. Uh, questionable at running back, we see J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, Ty Montgomery's not in any lineups, and neither is Ahmed. So with J.K. Dobbins being the guy there, questionable, are you? Would you if you had J.K. Dobbins, you had to draft him in like the fifth or sixth round, probably. Are you starting him, or are you going to wait to week to uh, wait a week to see what he looks like? Uh, it depends who else I have, um, because if he's starting. I would read up on it because I want to see what kind of workload it's going to get. It's a risky pick because they have Mike Davis. Now they have Kenny and Drake, and obviously they have Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And we don't know what kind of workload he's going to get. Maybe maybe J.K. Dobbins only gets eight carries. And that's why it's risky. That's why I'm saying it depends who you have. If you have a more short thing, like if you're between, let's say, A.J. Dillon and J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon all day. J.K. Dobbins, to me, is only like good as if maybe the Ravens are up big and they're – trying to milk the clock in the second half. There's a lot of handoffs. But I just don't know what kind of workload he's going to get. I'd probably wa- uh, rather wait to see if we like, know he's not fully healthy at the moment, even though Dobby is a stud. It's probably yeah. a bit too early. I think we could see the same thing that happened with Cam Akers yesterday. Yeah. When, especially if the game gets out of hand, you're just not going to see a whole lot of touches from him because you don't want him to re-injure himself. And there's enough capable, healthy hands there. Like you talked about, uh, Big Mike Davis is over there, Kenyon Drake. There's, they have running backs at their disposal. And so I think this is more of a, hey, you'll probably see three to five carries out of J.K. Dobbins. And if Cam Akers was any lesson, I'm not starting him on any format. I'm not starting J.K. Dobbins at all. Yeah, facts. So as we move to the wide receivers, we'll see some bigger names here. Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas. Let's start with those two before we get into the others. Chris Godwin has shed his knee brace. There's been a lot of optimism about him, but then there's also been reports that he won't be himself for the first half of the season. So it does give a little pause for concern, but he'll be on the field. He's not wearing any brace. It's a quick return from an ACL injury that he suffered in week 15 of last year. If you had to start him, uh, Johnny, are you starting him or are you going to play this one a little more cautiously? Now, you know what? I think this one I'm going to roll the dice and start because we know Godwin's upside. We're not we're not expecting – I wouldn't be expecting what he did last year against Dallas. Like, he shredded right. Dallas last year. I wouldn't expect eight catches for a buck 20, two tugs. But what I, I think is more reasonable, four catches, 60 yards, a touchdown. We know Brady loves to use this guy yeah. in the red zone, around, around the goal line. He's a big target for this guy, even though Mike Evans gets a lot of tutties. I would start – Godwin in the flex if, if you have the opportunity because I think I think he's going to be I think it's going to be a high scoring game and I think Godwin like last year is going to be used in certain situations right now say you got Godwin right but you have a couple other guys that are healthy you look at like a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown or you look like a Rashad Bateman or maybe you're considering um you know a guy like Brandon Ayuk are you playing Godwin over those guys because you probably drafted Godwin over those guys or are you playing one of the healthier options instead if you add him out your flex? So here's the problem. Brandon Ayuk with Trey Lance, we've been hearing a lot of buzz, how great their connection is. That's great. I have Ayuk in a couple leagues, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But the problem is I want to see it first. Even against a bad Chicago defense, I, I want to see it first. I, w- I want to see what it looks like. You can never take take what Kyle Shanahan says to the bank. He's just Facts. like Sean McVay. So, you know, Debo, and even though Kittle's out, I, I need to see it. I would think 
you know, Ayuk's not a bad start by any stretch, but I know what Godwin's connection is with Brady. Yeah. Now you're looking at Rashad Bateman. Like, he didn't have a lot of time with Lamar Jackson last year. He's probably going to be the de facto Hollywood Brown. Yes. And he's probably going against Sauce Gardner. I got to be honest, I don't love Rashad Bateman right now. I need to see what that connection is. And who was the third one you mentioned? Uh, Amon Ra? Yeah, Amon Ra St. Brown. I'd probably go with Amon Ra because I feel like Amon Ra, they're going to try and pick up where he left off, and he, they're going to try and get him 10 targets. So I feel like based on the volume, I, Amon Ra is probably the only guy I would go for for sure. Over yeah, I think I think when you talk about – obviously you talk about the Niners. We saw what happened with Trey Sermon. He's having the best offseason of anybody, and then they go yeah. cut him, obviously. But when you're talking about Chris Godwin, I feel like he's just in the right type of offense. I'm okay with starting him. Now, are we expecting, like you said, wide receiver one Chris Godwin? Absolutely not. But I think he's capable if he scores a touchdown. I think he's capable of scoring a touchdown and providing you with three to five catches, which is what you want out of your wide receiver three flex where you probably drafted him. So if you have him higher than that, good luck. But I think if you're if you're debating him over some of those other options, he's a safe play for me. And then Michael Thomas, um, I, he just kind of ramped up here recently. We haven't seen him in a game. Same thing with Chris Godwin. But the reports of that Michael Thomas looks good. Uh, I really like Michael Thomas coming into the season, and I like him to play this week. I would start Michael Thomas in this matchup. I feel like they'll get him a few catches to get the ball rolling. James seemed really excited talking about him. Johnny, are you in or out on Michael Thomas? Uh, I would probably say I'm in. I don't know what kind of options you would have on the uh on You're probably contract. looking at that same, like that same range as Chris Godwin, tier. right? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think Thomas, we know how many targets he gets. I think chances are Thomas is going to he's gonna have a solid first game back. I would feel more comfortable starting Godwin than Michael Thomas. But Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas to me, if he plays, is a starter. Okay, so would you rather start Michael Thomas or, let's say, Elijah Moore? Michael Thomas. I'm not starting any Jets receivers with Joe Flacco <laughs> against the Ravens corners. Okay, Michael Thomas or Hunter Renfro uh, versus the Chargers? Michael Thomas. Yeah, see, it feels like you still – I would still start Michael Thomas over some of these guys. And then let's see, one more. Michael Thomas or uh, Devontae Smith? Michael Thomas. Yeah, I feel like I'm going Michael Thomas over most of these guys. Michael Thomas or Jalen Waddle? That's a good one. I need to – so the only thing holding me back here, I don't know what the health status of Waddle is. They said he's, he's going to be fine for week one. Yeah. He's battling a quad injury. And, like, I'm not saying Thomas is coming in fully healthy, but, you, you know, we at least knew Thomas was hurt, but Waddle just picked up this recent injury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I don't really like. I got to be honest, you drafted Waddle in the third or fourth round. I probably would lean Waddle slightly, uh, but I, I don't hate MT over him. I, I, I would have to say probably, probably Waddle. Uh, we need yes or no. Probably don't doesn't do anything. We need a yes fine, or fine. no. I'll, I'll start Waddle. Yeah, I'll start Waddle. I'll start Waddle over uh, Mike Thomas and not feel good about it either. But I think there's more upside there. But Drake Lennon, Russell Gage, Jacoby Myers, none of them are really going in my lineups. I don't really trust any of them to start. Are you feeling any of those guys, or can we move to tight ends? Yeah, we can move to tight ends. Drake Lennon is probably going to draw a lot of Marshawn Lattimore in his first career game with Marcus Mariota throwing him the rock. No, thank you. No, thank you. Engage, fourth option. Bi-week flex, flex at best. Let's move to tight end. So one of the ones who is probably going to be out, George Kittle. The news came out today. He did not practice. Um, and that was, uh, you know, they were expecting him to play this week. And then he had this groin injury. It's kind of kept him out of practice this week. 
Uh, are you concerned at all with his groin injury and George Kittle? Because they're saying if it's a strain too, it's probably a multi-week thing. Does this concern you a lot with somebody who's been banged up or is this not concerning at all? Yeah, this is concerning to me. Not very concerning, but it's concerning. The fact that, bro, even in regular life, forget playing football, a groin injury for a guy especially is not pleasant, dude. It's not it's comfortable not, at all. It's not comfortable. And, like, forget having to walk around and just literally live. You have to go play football and get hit and, like, cut and make all these explosive fast twitch moves. You know, first of all, that's uncomfortable, one. Two, it's obviously going to affect his ability to run and make moves. So, yeah, I am worried because not only not only is Kittle a great receiver, he's probably the best blocking tight end. So that's going to impact the running game. That's going to impact what kind of pre-snap motion, what kind of play action, what kind of deception that Kyle Shanahan wants to run in this offense. So, yes, I am concerned about that George Kittle absence. And that is an injury that probably tends to linger. It will linger. We see groin injuries linger all year, and they don't just linger. They get re-aggravated a lot, just like the hamstring injuries. Groins tend to re tend to be re-aggravated at some point during the year. So my goal is that they, they hold out Kittle for three games, and he just gets healthy, fully healthy. He doesn't try to rush it back because when he's on the field, he's one of the top tight ends. And if I had him on my fantasy team right now, what I'd be doing is just holding. I'm not panicking. I'm not trying to trade him, but I am looking for another option. Like, I'm looking for one of those deeper options, the David Njoku's, the Evan Ingram's. I'm going to other teams and looking at their backup tight end to get somebody that can get me through for three weeks because I don't see George Kittle playing for the next two, possibly three weeks, and definitely won't be at full speed George Kittle-esque for the next month. So I'm concerned as not just a Niner fan, but as a fantasy player who has George Kittle on a couple teams, I'm looking at other options right now. And if you didn't draft a backup tight end, uh, there's just go look on waivers because there's probably somebody that can at least start for you. If I mention any of those names, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, maybe a Gerald Everett. I'm not excited about any of those guys, but they're startable. And then Zach Ertz not playing too. Does this affect it all? I didn't, we didn't really talk about that Chiefs game. Uh, you mentioned it, you know, being minus six, but we didn't really talk about it. Does this affect, uh, A, does this affect any of the Cardinals players for you, like a Kyler Murray, or do you think any of the other players, Hollywood Brown, get more targets? And then B, does this affect your thoughts on them for that game? So I was looking at it, that Ertz is on the wrong side of questionable. Has there yes. been an official stat? What's the official status? Uh, he's leaning towards out. There's no official status right now, but Zach Ertz is leaning towards out, just like George Kittle is leaning towards out. So the wrong side of questionable. Yes, sir. Okay, so the why this is a big deal, because not only does Ertz eat up what they do over the middle of the field, he commands a lot of that middle attention. But now you're starting to get a cluster injury. Rondell Moore's out. Ertz is out. So now you're probably going to be looking at only Hollywood and A.J. Green as That's your it. top two weapons. D-Hop, obviously not playing for the first six weeks. That's a problem. Chase Edmonds is not there anymore. He's a big. He's a guy who can do a lot in the receiving game. Connor, like, yeah, he could do some stuff in the receiving game. Nothing, nothing crazy. I think it's going to affect everything because Kansas City, while I don't think their pass defense is that good, they have a corner by the name of Lejarius Sneed who, if he gets some of Hollywood, he's not bad, dude. He's yeah. not bad. Like, yeah, they don't have Honey Badger, but they replaced him with Justin Reed, yeah. uh, former Texan safety. I think it'll affect it a little bit. I still think Kansas City is going to score enough points to make Arizona have to try and keep up. So I still feel like this is a game where Kyler Murray is going to have to throw. 
I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable because Ertz is that security blanket, the guy who we built a lot of good chemistry with, the guy around the red zone, the guy eating up over the middle. I just I think this is a problem for Arizona. I'm not sitting Kyler Murray. I'm not sitting any other Cardinals that like uh, Hollywood or James Conner. But, you know, you got to maybe temper expectations here. Yeah, I agree. And it's for all the weapons involved in this game. That could be a big reason. You mentioned the line movement as well from three and a half to six. Like that could be part of it too. Not necessarily just Zach Ertz, but Rondell Moore not being there. That's a lot of weapons gone for this Cardinals team uh, early in the season. So if you were going to make a play, you'd be on the Chiefs or you'd be on the Cardinals? Um, I'm undecided right now, but – so here's I need the, the inside info, Ronnie. Which Hang way are you leaning? So, so here, here's the here's what the sports books do. Most of the time, a skill player outside of a quarterback does not move the line. Like a Devontae Adams will, Cooper right. Cup will, Aaron right. Donald will, but like Zach Ertz going out individually won't move the line. However, when you start getting cluster injuries, that's when the line starts to move. So I mean, listen, not for nothing. I feel like my favorite thing, if I had to pick something, I think the Chiefs will win. Yeah. I don't love the five and a half, so I would probably throw the Chiefs in a teaser leg and get them just to win outright. I ain't holding you to it, man. I, I just want to get the little Johnny V scoop, man, because I know you be dropping gems on this show, bro. So I'm like, let me at least get this scoop in, man. Any thoughts before the weekend, man? We're going to get out of here and let you enjoy your weekend. I, I know you're you doing your thing. So any parting thoughts uh, as we head into this weekend, bro? Yeah, listen, everybody betting, it's fun, it's exciting. We're looking to get back into football, just splurging on the couch like the degenerates that we are. Yeah. Don't don't blow your bank in week one. Be be smart, have a have a plan, identify just a few plays that you like. Identify two, maybe three plays that you like. Don't be looking to go, hey, I like ten plays. I'm gonna throw like fifty bucks on each. No. Yeah. Find three plays that you like, stick to them. And guess what? If they're early games and they hit then you find another three. But don't go looking to spend 10, 12 plays. The more you play, the more you lose. You learn that in Casino from Sam Rothstein. Keep it short. <laughs> keep it simple. That's how winners are done. Wise words from our man, Johnny V. And on the fantasy side of it, too, like we talked about fantasy, it's the same thing, man. Expect the unexpected. It's week one. A lot of crazy shit happens. A lot of unpredictable stuff. And stuff that you could be right on, you're going to be wrong on over the course over the course of this one week. Your season-long take may still be correct. It's just it's week one. There's crazy shit that happens, so don't panic with your players. Don't panic with your team. Don't make any crazy ad drops. Just pay attention. Pay attention to game management. Pay attention to flow. Pay attention to the things that matter, not necessarily if you take an L or if you win this week. Pay attention to the week, but don't. This, this ain't everything. This is week one. Be excited, but don't go all in on your takes, man. So, Johnny B., I appreciate you hopping on the show, man, dropping your knowledge. Where they find you at, dog? We already know. Yeah, man. Obviously, you know, I'm at Twitter, underscore at uh, underscore Johnny VTV. I'm on NBC Sports Edge, always putting up the fire pieces. I'm working on an article right now, the weekly taste. You saw the picks, by the way. And on Instagram at Gambling Guinea. They got, they, got another, they got another way to watch you, too, right? TikTok at Gambling Guinea. Yeah, man. Just uh, I got my Johnny VTV live coming back as well on my Twitter, YouTube page. So. Know where to find me every Wednesday, 7 p.m. I might have to make a guest appearance on her soon, Brody. Always. You're always yes, welcome. Sir. 
All right, well, y'all tune into the Justin Henry Show live version. We didn't have a whole lot of questions. I was expecting the questions to be flooding in. Next time we go live, you better ask some questions, man. 3 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock Eastern, Monday through Friday. I got the mailbag show coming up this Saturday and on Sunday, live start and sit this morning to help you guys with week one. Let's get it. Justin Henry Show. Been an awesome episode, my man Johnny. I'll see you next time.